Hey guys, Will Hawk here with the Roots Rednecks and Radicals podcast, and I have another fantastic episode lined up for you today. But before we get to that, I want to remind you to give me a follow on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok as well. Search me up, roots.rednecks.radicals. I'll be posting some stuff there. And uh, wherever you're listening to this, Spotify, Apple, whatever listener you got going, uh, give me a like and a follow, subscribe. That would help me out tremendously. So this new record from the shootouts is tremendous. You're going to want to listen to it. It features all kinds of great artists asleep at the wheel, Marty Stewart, Raul Malo. Um, It's just chock full of great, great honky tonk tunes. So I had a great conversation and I think you're going to enjoy it. So let's jump right into that conversation. Have a good one, everybody. Well, the, the new album sounds fantastic, and um, so many collaborations on it with different artists I thought was really interesting, but I, I'd really love to hear about uh, where you guys recorded, and um, and uh, how did that whole process work out for you? So, yeah, you know, we weren't even really uh, prepared to make a record uh, when we found out that we were going, going to. We were still in the throes of... Uh, uh, of basically promoting the Bullseye record, which we put out in April of 2021. And a mutual friend introduced us to Ray Benson, lead singer of Asleep at the Wheel. And next thing you know, uh, we are making a record together. So uh, we basically said, okay, we've got about four months <laughs> until, we, until we're making a record. Let's, we better start working on material, you know. So we, uh, as we were talking with them as well, uh, we were planning on originally going to Austin to record down there, you know, because that's where Ray and, and Asleep at the Wheel are are based. And as we were discussing, we figured out that they had some tour dates that put them smack dab in the middle of northeastern Ohio with a five-day window of uh, of free time. And so it was kind of serendipity. You know, he said, uh, do you happen to have a studio up there that we can work at? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And uh, he asked for the gear list. And uh, an old friend of mine, uh, Dave Sacchini, is the one that owns the studio. It's called Son of Moondog, largely a private studio. But Dave is a, is a real collector of vintage gear. He's got two vintage MCI consoles, uh, tons of old you know, preamps and compressors and all sorts of stuff. And, um, and so I sent Sam and Ray the gear list. Uh, you know, wondering if they were going to come back and say, well, it's missing this or it's missing that. Or, And uh, I, when I talked to Sam next, I said, what do you think of the gear list? And he just laughed. He goes, yeah, uh, perfect. <laughs> you know, they've got everything we need. And so Sleep at the Wheel uh, and Ray Benson and Sam Cypher, they came to us. So we were, I mean, you know, what a dumb luck, <laughs> you know, situation to find them here in Northeastern Ohio with five days off. And uh, it was really, really a, a great opportunity um, and we basically cut this whole record, you know, live together. Uh, of course, we did overdubs after the fact, but all the basic tracks were live. Uh, it's a beautiful studio, lots of vintage gear. We used Pro Tools basically as a tape machine, but all the sounds that you hear, um, you know, those were everything was basically through vintage gear, through a vintage MCI console, and then dumped into Pro Tools just to just to capture it. That's awesome. Yeah, it has, has that sound to it, like it was recorded live and um, you know, kind of has that old school studio sound to it. I, I really appreciate that about the album. Awesome. Well, good. We, we appreciate that, too. It's nice that uh, people recognize that stuff, you know. For sure. Well, do you guys, um, uh, what sort of, uh, I mean, does your guitar player use like uh, kind of a vintage tube amp or are you guys pretty into vintage gear or modern stuff? What's kind of the, you know, we're kind of in, into whatever works for us. Right. I mean, as far as, as far as, uh, 
as far as that goes, Brian Poston is is uh, totally a Telecaster guy. Uh, not that he doesn't like other guitars, but I mean, for what we do and really what he does so well, uh, you know, that's a, that's a Telecaster sound, right? So, um, you know, whether we're live or in the studio, I mean, he primarily is playing, you know, a, a, a Telecaster. His his um, instrument of choice is a custom built Han Telecaster that is modeled after some of the early '50s Telecasters. Uh, and it's it's a great instrument. It's it's uh, you know got a great sound to it. It was custom built just for him through Han Guitars, um, and it's it's a wonderful instrument. He his amp of choice is primarily a, um, a, a Fender Princeton. He's got a couple different Princetons, and uh, you know, so I'm pretty sure he used a vintage Princeton on the record, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah, those are good little amps. I love those Princetons. Yeah, they really are. And I'll tell you what, the, what he's been using live lately is, is quite interesting. He's been using one of the Fender Tone Master amps. Have you heard of those? I don't think so. Yeah, so I'll tell you what, Fender really got it right. And they are basically using uh, modeling software to, <laughs> to, to outfit these amps. And so, like, yeah. for example, they did, I think they did all, all their major amps. I know they did a twin um, you know, and now, and they've, I'm pretty sure they did a reverb and now they, now they just finally did the Princeton. And so what it is, is that there's, you know, there's no tubes, there's no anything, and, but it looks like an amp. It doesn't weigh anything, which is nice, you know, when you're on the road. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, man, it is, you know, Brian's very picky about this stuff. Very, very, you know, he, he wants to make sure that his tone is good. And he was blown away by this and he was really blown away by the twin as well. The best part is you don't have to even mic them at, at shows. They have attenuators on the back. You can, he can, you know, he can get that thing uh, down to one watt or he can get it, you know, as, as to whatever the highest wattage is for the amp. I think his twin got up to 200 watts. But, um, you know, then they just take a line out of the back. And everybody, it, when they first come across these Tone Masters, is really skeptical, you know. And uh, they're they're always like, yeah, we'll, we'll put a mic on it too, you know. And every one of them comes back and says, yeah, that thing sounds so good. I never had to touch the mic. And it's, they're really, really special, cool little amps that Fender's doing right now. And uh, so that's what he's been playing live. It allows him to get a lower stage volume, still get the bite and the tone that he needs. And then uh, it lets the sound guy have more, you know, more control and headroom out front, as opposed to, you know, blowing the mix by having a loud guitar amp on stage. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, once you started talking about it, I was like, "Oh, yeah, I have heard of those. I've seen some uh, yeah. some artists with them, and and yeah, they just seem super, super convenient. They they really are, and that that's that's really it, right? Like what you're what you're getting is convenience along with tone. You know what I mean? You're not you're not uh, sacrificing one for the other. They, it just seems like they finally got it right, and in in you know in the proper package, and uh, they look great, they sound great, they don't weigh anything, they're easy to use gives you a lot of options and that's, that's what he's been using on the road lately as well. So, uh, you know, I play a little electric with the band, but nothing to write home about, uh, just a little rhythm electric. And I've been playing a Telecaster through a, a Supro, um, uh, Tremo verb. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I and have, then as far as, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I, I have a, um, a 67 deluxe reverb and, um, it is, 
a, a beast. It is so heavy. Um, when I carry that oh, thing yeah. around, you know, I can't imagine taking it on tour and then having like, you know, you have to have a, a, a tech that knows exactly what they're doing. Cause that thing's going to break down at some point, you know? And yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's, I think there's that fine line, right? Like you want to sound great. You want to have your sound, but you know, when you're doing, you know, I don't know, 25 shows in 30 days, you know, you, you need something that is going to be reliable and also, you know, offer maybe a little bit of convenience. And, uh, and that's really what, what his new, that tone master is doing. I feel like you, you probably think I'm a, a spokesman for them, but it's just, <laughs> I'm definitely, definitely not. We just really like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I understand. When, when you find gear that, that just does what it's supposed to do, it's always exciting. I understand that. Right, right, right. And as far as like acoustics go, I'm a huge fan of Gibson acoustics. I, I collect them as well as, uh, as well as use them. And, uh, I think every acoustic guitar on the record uh, was some sort of Gibson from my from my uh, <laughs> from my vault of of Gibsons. So uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the jumbo body Gibsons. I love J200s, J100s, J150s, J85s, all that type of stuff. So we used various Gibson acoustics on the record too. Cool. Well, that sounds great as well. Well, I'm, I'm interested in um, how Ray Benson um, became a part of this project um, because he produced the album or co-produced the album. And um, yeah, just uh, uh, you mentioned a little bit about it before, but how did that how did that whole thing come to be? Yeah, so we had a mutual friend that uh, that you know loves the shootouts and is friends with Ray, and just said, you know, I'd like to send this to him, and uh, you know, really glad that that they did it. it uh, I think that Ray Hurt took one listen to us and prob- and I think understood uh, what we were trying to go for, you know, because it's, uh, it's, there's no doubt that it's a lot of like what asleep at the wheel does, you know, all different types of, of vintage country music and, um, and just trying to put our own spin on that, you know, and, and that certainly has been influenced by bands like asleep at the wheel. Right. So, um, you know, it was basically a mutual friend that introduced us, uh, you know, wasn't really sure where it was going to go. And, uh, I guess Ray reached out to my friend and said, well, what do they need? And to, to his credit, he said, why don't you produce a record for them? And, <laughs> and uh, now here we are. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's funny. I was watching, uh, I had PBS on last night and Asleep at the Wheel was playing at the Caverns. And oh, um, yeah. I watched that's that whole episode. God, these guys are so good. Just amazing. Oh, they're so good. And I'll tell you what, they're, you know, it, they're it's not, you know, other than Ray, nobody's original in that band anymore. Right. And, um, but they're just all so talented. Of course, Ray is going to surround himself with, you know, the best players and Ray himself is just a, a, a wealth of knowledge in country music. I mean, this guy has literally been doing this for over 50 years, you know, multiple awards and, and honors and, uh, he deserves it. You know, he's gotten to play with a lot of, a lot of the best and, uh, it's because he's one of the best, you know? So, it really was special getting to work with him. We've learned so much from him and the whole band. Uh, and, and they were so gracious, so kind, a lot of fun. They've, they've become friends, you know, and it uh, was really a special experience. That's cool. That's cool. Well, speaking of another legend on the album, uh, you had Marty Stewart um, uh, featured on, <laughs> on a song. And uh, I'm just interested in what it's like working with him. Um, he's he kind of is he's a lot like Ray Benson, been around for so long. And- oh, my gosh. I mean, what can you even say about Marty Stewart that hasn't been said? You know, I mean, it's funny because I think there are folks that, you know, they only know Marty Stewart as the, you know, the 90s uh, guy that had a couple hits. And, and that's it. Right. But he is so, so much more than that, you know, getting his start with Lester Flats, 
uh, Lester Flat, as well as playing with Johnny Cash. I mean, you know, he was right off the bat when he was a youngster was was playing with country music royalty, and uh, you know, then happened to get lucky with his own career in the in the '90s, and um, you know, and in, and instead of just doing what a lot of those folks have done and just kind of you know trail off into the sunset and 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 rely on those hits. You know, he has really developed into this elder statesman of the genre where he is out, you know, singing the praises of of country music and 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 really trying to uphold the history of it. You know, if you see Marty and the Superlatives, it's almost like watching, you know, yes, you're watching a concert, but you're also getting like a master class in country music. And so, you know, we've been fans of his forever. I mean, when we started the shootouts, Marty and the Superlatives were certainly a band that, that we were influenced by. We learned a bunch of their songs when we first started. So to have that kind of come full circle, and not just with, with Marty, but even Raul Malo as well, another band that I grew up listening to, uh, one of my mom's favorite bands, you know, and to be able to to have them join us on this record, it really means a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's really uh, kind of validating or, or just, you know, gosh, whatever you want to call that, to have these folks, you know, recognize that, that we're out there trying to do the same thing that they're doing, which is, you know, upholding the roots of the genre and, and doing it on our own terms and, and just trying to go out there and, and, and make good music, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I almost got to see Mark, um, him and the, and the superlatives and, um, in Elko, Nevada, they have the national cowboy poetry gathering, uh, every year. Yeah. And I went out there in, in 2020, um, and I, I, they had played the day before and I was really bummed cause I really wanted to see him, but I, I couldn't make it out there. But, um, after they played, I was talking to all the sound guys around the whole, you know, festival, and every single one of them was like, "Did you see Marty Stewart? Did you see Marty Stewart?" And <laughs> I was like, "No, I missed it." And they're like, "That was the best sounding band I've ever mixed or heard." Like they sounded so incredible. It, it was, and I'm like, when you're impressing all the sound guys, I'm like, that's that's pretty solid, you know? Yeah, and you know what's funny too? They don't even have a big setup, you know. I mean, they they show up with, you know. It, a very minimal setup for what you would consider, you know, with some bands and they just sound amazing when you've got that much talent in your band. I mean, Harry Stinson, Chris Scruggs, Kenny Vaughn and Marty Stewart. I mean, dear Lord, any of those guys on their own, you know, but then Mm -hmm. you put them all together, you give them a nice, simple setup that, that they can just really, you know, uh, make sound amazing. And I mean, I, I tell you what, I, I saw them, I've seen them a bunch now. Of course, we've even opened for them too. But um, every show I've seen of theirs just always sounds amazing. And one of the best concerts I've ever heard sonically was was Marty and the Superlatives. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's amazing. Yeah, and I'll tell you what: if you ever get a chance, uh, definitely, definitely, you know, go go check them out. Their their live show is fantastic. The harmonies and musician musicianship is uh, is really world class. I, I would I've said this before, and I don't just say this because you know, because Marty was on the record and like that, like we've been fans of his for a long time. Uh, I really believe him and the superlatives are one of the best bands in America. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that for sure. I definitely will. Um, they, they don't come this way very often, but um, next time I see him coming around this area, I'm going to get, go see him. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, another song that's on the album um, was was played with uh, "Asleep at the Wheel," one step forward, and it has this great kind of West Texas swing feel to it. And I was really interested in who was playing on that one because you got so many incredible musicians from your band and their band. How, how did you guys work out who was going to play on that track? <laughs> yeah, you know that was really 
that was really a fun one. You know, we knew that we wanted to do that as a Western. You know, well, we had the song. Uh, it was written by a longtime collaborator of the Shootouts, uh, Al Moss. And uh, we knew that it was going to be a Western swing song. And we thought, well, gosh, it's perfect, obviously, to, to do this song, you know, with the wheel. And, uh, you know, right off the bat, I mean, there was like, no, it was like, hey, what do you guys think about doing this one? And Ray said, well, yeah, of course, like that's right up our alley, you know. So uh, so it's really, it's all of the shootouts playing that uh, and singing on it, all that stuff. And then uh, various members of Asleep at the Wheel, um, piano, saxophone, fiddle, uh, steel, and then of course Ray singing as well. So it's really, it really was a collaboration of like, you know, it's our, our band, uh, drums, bass, guitar, vocals, and then uh, members of Asleep at the Wheel joining us. And then of course, you know, gosh, I mean, to hear yourself singing with Ray Benson is, uh, <laughs> is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of a out of body experience kind of a thing. Oh, for sure just surreal and we, we actually have a music video for it as well and um all that stuff is dropping uh february 3rd uh new that song will be dropping ahead of the album as well as the music video for it uh premiering at the bluegrass situation and just uh there'll be a nice little uh, a nice little push with that song it was really a, a fun song to record and the video turned out great and uh excited for people to see and hear that yeah that's great, and yeah, I love how you have his his deep baritone voice right in the beginning. You know, he's like, "What's the full?" You know, <laughs> there's yeah. not, a, not a lot of vocalists who have that that deep baritone voice nowadays. So no, I love it. you know, and we wanted him to do the you know the Ray Benson thing. You know, we it, of course you know, and uh, and kind of I guess you could even say like the the Bob Wills thing. You know, I mean, and uh, of course you know Ray just nailed it. Of course, so right. That's fun. Well, one other amazing collaboration on there is, as you mentioned him before, but Raul Malo from the Mavericks, and uh, he's on I'll Never Need uh, Anyone Anymore, which is kind of hard to say the name of that song. <laughs> yeah, I'll Never Need Anyone More. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was wondering if you could just tell us about that song and, and, and also what it was like working with him. Yeah, so, you know, that particular song is a cover of a, of a, a gentleman by the name of Michael Stanley, and Michael Stanley was a huge huge um, artist in Cleveland throughout the 70s and 80s. Uh, he still holds attendance records at venues here. I mean, our big outdoor shed, you know, which usually people will come in and tour and play for a night, and sometimes they can't sell it out, sometimes they can. Back in the 80s, he sold that venue out four nights in a row. Huh. This guy was massive. I mean, his records were mixed by Bill Simzik, who did everything for the Eagles. I mean, you know, he's friends with the Eagles and all those guys, and and just was a household name throughout Ohio, never really broke out. Um, but uh, he passed away in early 2021. And uh, we said, you know, let's, let's pay tribute to him. You know, I mean, you can't help but be influenced by Michael Stanley uh, in some capacity, even if it's trickle down, if you're from Northeastern Ohio. So we took a song of his, which was a big kind of a rocker, sounded like an 80s, you know, Springsteen style rocker. And I heard Michael's acoustic version of it. And I said, boy, that, that would be a, a great country song. And so uh, my, actually when I brought it to the band, they kind of thought I was crazy. They're like, I, they, they, they were having trouble hearing it, you know, but I could hear it in my head. And uh, I said, I really, I just, I think you guys need to trust me on this. Like, let's work it up. Let's see if it fits. And I'm so glad that we did because now it's, it's, you know, most of the band, it's like their favorite song on the record. And, um, you know, so it, it really kind of started taking shape. And I, and, you know, we knew that we were, you know, we'd been friends with Raul for a long time and knew that we wanted to ask him. And I thought, boy, that's a perfect song. It kind of even sounds, you know, remotely 
uh, like something the Mavericks might have done, mm-hmm. you know, especially in their older stuff. So, um, you know, played a show with him and, and asked him, and he was so gracious and, and, and agreed to do it. And it just totally killed it. It's like the perfect, you know, perfect harmony vocals for that song, perfect fit. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that's kind of interesting about it as well is that, as I mentioned earlier, when I grew up, my mom was listening to country radio in the 90s. And, and that was when you, you know, you could still hear really more traditional country uh, on the radio. You know, you'd still hear George Strait and mm-hmm. Patty Loveless and then, of course, Dwight Yoakam and the Mavericks. So my mom was really obsessed with a song of theirs called I Should Have Been True. She had a cassette single of that, and she played it over and over again in the car. Hmm. And that's that was my uh, introduction to the Mavericks, you know. So next thing you know, I'm I'm a Mavericks fan from, from you know, being a kid. And so, uh, unfortunately, my mother passed away unexpectedly in 2018. We'd had the chance to go, you know, to go to Mavericks concerts together when, we, you know, some of the shows I'd opened for him in the past you know, she got a chance to meet him and, and he was always so kind. And so, you know, here we are, uh, you know, four years since she's been, uh, since she's, you know, been with us and, and having the opportunity to have him on one of our songs. I mean, it's, it's really a full circle moment and something that, that means so much to me. And, you know, I wish you were here to see it, but you know, a lot of folks have said like, you know, she, she probably knows. Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm glad you got to do that uh, for your mom. My mom passed about nine years ago, and um, it's just tough, you know. And it, it, it's it's super tough. It's it's something too. It's in you know when you lose a parent, uh, you know it's it's really something that, of course, you know so many people were were so supportive and so great, but it's it's really something different when you talk to another person that has that has lost their mother or father as well. Once you are in that club. Um, you know, you can talk to people about it and they understand it a little differently, you know? So, you know, it's, uh, it was, it was really special to have him on there and, and, uh, have his support. Uh, you know, like I said, I've known him for a long time. We've had the opportunity to do some shows with him. He's just such a nice guy. And, uh, what can you say about that voice? You know, I mean, it's stunning. Yeah, absolutely. Some really iconic singers on this one. For sure. That's interesting that you brought up the, the guy who wrote that and, and, and he was from Ohio, but he never really kind of broke out of the regional thing. It it, it just reminded me that there was a, a period of time where there were regional stars in American music that didn't necessarily sure. go national, you know, and that, that's kind of sure. a, kind of a, a, a weird kind of relic that just doesn't happen really anymore. You know? No, it, it really doesn't. And it's funny because, you know, friends and I were joking, we were saying one day that we wanted to start a band. Uh, just, you know, kind of having some drinks and, and laughing about it. We said, we should start a band that we just do cover songs of these guys that were regional, you know, regional hits. <laughs> and and it's funny because once you start trying to rattle off a list, you know, it's, uh, there was a lot of them. <laughs> there was a lot of those guys. And, and just because they never made, broke out, you know, on a, what you might say a national level or whatever, doesn't mean they weren't successful. You know, I think somebody had asked Michael Stanley that, uh, well, you know, what were you, are you, you know, something on the lines of like, do you wish that you would have been more successful? And he said, look, I had a great career here in, in Ohio. I had a, a wildly enthusiastic fan base. I got to play sold out shows. I've made a lot of friends in the music industry. I got to write songs and, and, and record them on my own terms. Like I, I would call that a success, you know? So, uh, I think that everybody's idea of that is a little bit different. And, 
of course, I think anybody would be lying if they said like, well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be bigger than the Beatles, but that just, that doesn't happen for everybody. And, uh, and that's okay too, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And Ohio is like the size of a European country, you know, like it's a big, it's a big state. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, and you know what? I, I've always said to, there's kind of something special about Northeastern Ohio. I don't know what it is. I, I kind of attribute it maybe to the geography. Uh, you know, there's some states where, you know, you've only got one major market or one decent sized market with, you know, or, um, or there, you know, your markets aren't really near each other or anything like that. But we've got Akron, Canton, Cleveland, Youngstown, Pittsburgh, and Columbus, all within two hours of each other. And, you know, that's a pretty large number of decent-sized cities. Um, and there's just a, a wealth of talent here, too, you know. Maybe it's because there's not much else to do in the winter except practice, you know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, it sounds like you guys have been keeping busy, and uh, you got the album coming out here pretty soon. And um, I'm just kind of interested in what's going on uh, for the rest of this year, future projects. Do you got, um, I assume we'll be touring and, um, and all that, but w- what's coming up for the future in you guys? Yeah. So, you know, we start on February 16th, we basically start a month long tour. Uh, we're going to be down in Memphis for the Ameripolitan Awards. We've been uh, fortunate enough to have been nominated for. Um, that's honky tonk group. So we're honored about that. We'll be down there and hopefully, uh, bringing that award home. Uh, and then we go straight to Nashville. We spend about a week in Nashville. That is the week that the record comes out. We'll be there doing a lot of promo work. Uh, and then we are beside ourselves excited and honored that on release day, February 24th, we get to make our grand old Opry debut. So that's, that's pretty special for us. And then from there, we literally leave the next morning. And uh, we're on the road again, largely until the end of March. Uh, and then we have a little bit of downtime in April before we go back out again at the end of April. And uh, we'll be out quite a bit of, uh, you know, May and, and June. And we'll probably be out quite a bit this year altogether. Uh, we're certainly want to be out there and support the record, want to play shows. Uh, luckily, things have been, you know, things have been moving in the right direction. We've got a, a, an official South by Southwest showcase coming uh, as well down in Austin and just really trying to, to ramp things up for, uh, to support the new album. Fantastic. Are you guys coming out West at all? That is the plan. we I mean, I would say probably by, uh, by fall, we, sh- you know, maybe uh, we should be out there. Uh, ideally we'd love to come out and do like a West coast run and some of the other, other States out there as well. So, um, we've never been out that, that far yet. You know, we, we need to, uh, need to get out there though. We've had a lot of folks ask and, it's really my some of my favorite parts of the country are up, uh, you know, up in the Colorado, Utah, uh, you know, Seattle. I just love that part of the country. So it would be fun to be able to uh, to get up there with the full band. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you um, keep it in your mind um, to come to Reno, everyone goes down the down the West Coast from Seattle down to L.A. And no one jumps over the hill to come to play in Reno. So. <laughs> Like <laughs> I always got to drive to San Francisco awesome. to see shows or Sacramento to see shows. So uh, t- yeah, tell everybody well, come I'll to make Reno. Sure to, I'll <laughs> tell our, our booking agent to get us to Reno. <laughs> we got some good venues for sure. Good, good, good. Cool. cool. All right. Well, um, if people want to know more about you, um, support you, maybe buy some merch and stuff like that, what's the best place to look for you online? Yeah. Uh, shootoutsmusic.com is our website at shootoutsmusic.com. Uh, and also we are on all the social medias at shootoutsmusic. And, uh, you know, it's a great place to find out all the shows. We, like I said, we've probably got, I think, 30, 40 shows already announced uh, for, that go from now until May. There's more coming here soon. 
And, uh, you know, we're going to be busy this year. So there's information on all the tour dates, uh, you know, how you can pre-order the album or order the, the new album, uh, just all sorts of information there. You can watch music videos, all that stuff. It's all at our website, shootoutsmusic.com. Fantastic. All right, man. Well, the new album sounds amazing, and uh, I'm super stoked that uh, you guys are, are going to be hitting the road, and um, I, I just wish you the best out there. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for supporting you know, independent artists and, and uh, giving us a platform to talk about the music, talk about the records. Uh, you know, it, it truly takes a village you know, to, to, to you know, promote a record, to put it out, and, and try to uh, spread the word, and so you know, we certainly couldn't do it with, uh, without your help, so we appreciate that. Uh, you bet. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for chatting, and uh, have a good rest of your night. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder to follow me on social media, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. If you haven't already, like and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this. Hit that subscribe button. Leave me a rating and tell a friend. Until next time, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>